Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's been stirring in my heart. And, um, you know, I was, a, I was a youth pastor from 1990. Let's see, I went into ministry um, as a youth pastor in 1996. I was fresh out of Bible school and uh, went in in 1996 as a youth pastor, had three kids. I think we started with three or four kids back then and um, grew it to a whopping 30 kids. Come on, somebody. And uh, it was, we were in a smaller church and uh, just really invested in those kids. And then I went and worked in corrections after uh, I left that first church and, um, and worked corrections for four years with boys 12 to 18 years old. And it was, uh, it was a last step uh, program before prison that these, these boys had an opportunity to get their life right. And then after that, I went on staff at Living Word and became their, uh, well, I started with college age and did what we call master's commission and then uh, helped with small groups, but then became the youth pastor there. And we did that for, I don't know, five or six years as the youth pastor there. And uh, has always, I've always had a heart for the next generation. I've always had a heart for young people and uh, kids and students and young adults. And God's just really been stirring. I spent a week in Alabama, not this past week, but the week before. And God just really began to stir me uh, about this next generation. Um, because I, I really believe that if cycles, if cycles are going to be broken in our family lines, it's really going to have to, we're going to have to, it, or society-wise, if things are going to break society and culture-wise, it really starts with kids. It starts with that next generation. And this generation that, that is uh, currently alive today, Gen Z, they were born between 1995 and 2015. And that's, the, that's kind of the age gap. And that's those that are currently 7 to 27 years old. And uh, whether you realize this or not, one in four people in America fall into that gap. One in four. 73, uh, 74 million Americans represent this age group between the ages of, of 7 and 27. And before you check out on me, I want you to know something. This is not a message uh, for students. This is not a series about uh, me trying to help teenagers. This is a call to all moment because God is calling all of us in some way to figure out a way to affect generations. Because there's going to be a day we all going to be gone. And they're going to be coming into their, into their prime age. And they're going to be leading and guiding and, and running things. And so we don't want them to have to wait. And we need to start to retrain our mind to think generationally. Um, and so uh, we know that, that also with this generation, there's a lot, lot of bad news concerning this generation. And if you read it, you're going to see it. But two out of three of this generation, listen to me. Two out of three are either leaving church or have left church. Think about that for just a minute. Two out of three are either leaving or have already left church. Twice, twice as likely this generation to become atheist. Because we're living in a generation where absolute truth is no longer relevant. Uh, we're living in an age and day, especially in America, where we are living in a post-Christian generation. 
And I know we think, well, you know, I got my four and no more, and I got my little, my little club and those sorts of things. But I'm telling you right now, if we're going to change the world, we're going to have to step into this generation. Are you with me this morning? This is a call to all message. You're like, well, I'm, I'm in my prime right now. I don't know what to do. You might have some grandbabies that need your example. Right? I'm not just talking about our student ministry and our kids and, 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 our, and young adults. I'm not talking just about that. This is a total picture of how we frame our mindset for a generation. And if that doesn't bother anybody in the room, then we really need to seek the Lord. To think about that 3% of this generation read their Bible. Out of 74 million kids, 3% of them actually read their Bible. Now, if you think about it for just a moment, you know, we came into this 2020 time frame of isolation, and this is the generation that was affected. This generation of 7 to 27 was a generation that was affected. They were stuck on their phones. God knows doing who what, knowing, knowing doing what on their phones. They were in front of screens more than they've ever been in front of screens before. So for the last couple years, this generation has been affected. Psychologically, they've been affected. COVID affected them. They, some of them didn't have proms. Some of them didn't have their senior nights. Some of them worked really hard not to have any award ceremony. That affects, that affects well, it's just a reward, pal. It's just that they need to get over it. No, you need to be a little more compassionate. That there is some things in this generation that, that COVID affected. And it, it has, it, it, they isolate, they were isolated from social activities. I don't care what you say. We were not created to be isolated. We were created for each other, and we were created to socially interact and have relationships in a way that's healthy because that's the way God wants it. Socially, they were damaged. They, they had things canceled that meant a lot to them. They, they lost loved ones that they never got closure with. People lost loved ones during COVID that they just had to say goodbye and never had a, a closure. I think about this thing, and this thing has shifted a mindset. And I feel like what we have to pay attention to in the day and age is how do we make a difference in this generation? How do we make a difference in the next generation? And you read the headlines. People say, we got a problem in the earth today. I would agree we have a problem, but we also have an opportunity. Let me say it again. There are problems in the earth, but we also have an opportunity, and the opportunity is going to have to be the church of Jesus Christ realize that we are God's A plan, not his B plan, not a government solution, not a, not a socialized society, but a church that is filled with Jesus, that knows how to love people and love the next generation into their purpose and their destiny. <laughs> Bottom line. That's the plan. So you either get filled with God and fulfill his plan or get filled with yourself, which makes you successful, and at the end of the day, you have nothing to pass on. We want to make a, have a life of significance when we're here. And so people, again, say that there's a problem, but I, I said this during COVID, during 2020, was there's a problem, but by God, let's see the opportunity in the middle of the craziness. There's an opportunity we have with 74 million kids and the next generation to make a difference. I'm praying. Man, I'm just getting started. I'm, I'm praying that the spirit of Nehemiah would come on our church. 
And, and you might not know what that even means yet. But I'm praying that the spirit of Nehemiah, the one from the Bible, Nehemiah, the, the, the rebuilder of the walls, I'm praying that that spirit would come upon our church. I'm praying that we would start to clue in. Listen to what Nehemiah 4.14 says. He says this. He says, after I looked these things over, so he went to the wall, and he saw that they were broken down. He says, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officers, and the rest of the people, and other, I stood up to the government officials, and listen to what he says. He says, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of what's happening. He says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Listen to what he's about to tell them to do. Fight for your families. Then he says, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Notice the key word. The word is fight. Fight for a generation. Stop just believing everything that's on the news. Stop just believing the report. Let's push into an opportunity together as a church. Why are we building a facility? We're building a facility not so you can have a nice comfortable seat. And we don't have to set up curtains and screens and listen to, not because of that. We're doing it because there's a generation of people. There's a generation of kids that need to be reached. Well, pastor, why can't we do it here? We can't. It's time to move. Look at your neighbor and said, we're on the move. So the, the, the point is this this morning, is that Nehemiah tells us, and this is the whole point of today's message is this generation wants us to fight for them. Not complain about them, not, not wonder, oh, look at their hair, look at their piercings, look at their pants, look at that, look at that, look at that. Listen here, listen here. Mm. Stop it. If you're in an older generation, just stop, for real, because here's the deal. I love you, and I'm for you, and we're gonna help grow you but at some point, we gotta turn our attention the other direction. Not away from you, but you as a person have to change your direction of why we do what we do. God is a generational God. He says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God always thought generationally. So we have to understand that this generation wants us to fight for them, and that's the spirit of Nehemiah. Now, I'm gonna share some things with you here in just a few minutes that I think may rock your world. I was at a conference and the, and the pastor at the conference had done a survey with his students at his church. So I decided to do a survey with the students at our church. So anonymously, we sent a text out to the kids or we sent, sent some information out to them and had them reply to answer this question, I wish my parents knew. Now you're gonna hear some things today that may mess with you a little bit. Because your kids and the kids that we are wanting to reach think this direction. And here's what I want you, here's what I want, I want this to be a spirit-stirring moment for you. Because I, when I started to read them, and there's other ones in there that's not just our kids, but, but, but the other students that have spoken out, here's the thing, is that it needs to be a stirring moment for you as a person. Because if we want to fight for a generation, we got to know what this generation is thinking. So here's what they said. He sa they said, I wish my parents knew I can't make friends. Now, I just want you to hear, I want you to hear the cry of these young people. Like you send your kid to school, but you don't realize your kid's sitting by themselves at the lunch table. So I wish my parents knew that I can't make friends. The next one is, I wish my parents knew I vape. <laughs> 
Some of you are like, What's one, who, who filled that one out? <laughs> ain't none of your business. They need a safe environment where they can tell their struggle. That, that, that they vape. <laughs> Some of you just got weird on me. Don't get weird. Don't get weird. I wish my parents knew how hard it is for me to focus. Next, I wish my parents knew that I'm scared and nervous about not making the team. That's important to kids. It might not be important to you, but that's important to kids. I wish my parents knew, even though my actions don't always show it, I desperately want to please them. I wish my parents knew how much I love them or you, even though I don't always say it. I wish my parents knew how much I treasured their advice even when I acted like I could care less. I wish my parents knew when they wouldn't let me date a guy and I acted mad, I was really thankful they were fighting for me. I wish my parents knew instead of threatening to punish me, I need them to do it. Come on, somebody, that's your cue. Did you hear what pastor said? I know that was you that filled that out, so guess what? Punishment is coming. I wish my parents knew their words impact me more than any others. Things they don't remember saying have changed my life. I wish my parents knew. I wish I could be open with them about my mistakes. I wish my parents knew the evils I face every day. I wish my parents knew the fear I hide behind my rebellion. That their rebellion is not rebellion, it's fear. I wish my parents knew how hard it is to stay pure. This is this generation. This is their heart. This, this, is, this, is, where, this is where they, uh, uh, the last one was, I wish my parents knew how much they actually mean to me. And you sit here and think about that for just a minute. Think about the pain, think about the isolation. Think, think about the connection that they need. Think about the things that your kids are thinking about. Think about the things your kids are experiencing. How are we as a church gonna, how are we going to lean in to this generation? How, how are we going to lean in in a way that puts us all in a position to help reach them and to love them and to bless them and to encourage them and to pull them out of darkness and into light. How many know, listen, God has a great plan for our church, and it's not one generation, it's multi-generation. And so here's how we're gonna get involved. Number one is how do you fight? You're gonna pray for this generation. You're gonna pray for this generation. Pray for this generation. Everything that God does when it comes to his plan and his purpose on the earth starts in prayer. If we're going to change, because you know what prayer does? Prayer changes your heart. See, because if you're gonna start to see that next generation as how God sees them, it's gonna start with you praying for them. Here's how you pray for them. Number one, pray for them to fear and reverence God. The word reverence or fear is not a, not, a, not a cowardly term, it is a respectful term. Pray that for them to fear and reverence God. Psalm 34, 11 says, come my children and listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Number two, we can pray for them to be surrounded with divine favor. 
In other words, they know God is divinely working in their life. We can pray in this direction that first we would pray for them to fear and reverence God. We would pray for them to be surrounded with divine favor. Psalm 512 says, surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. The third way we can pray for them is we can pray for God to bring them godly friends and influences. Come on, somebody. We can pray for God to bring them godly friends and if, well, my kids, they go to Christian school, pastor. They got it all together. <laughs> Look, man, I've served in Christian schools before. Ain't no different other than the Bible class. You're like, pastor, are you serious about that? Yeah, absolutely. Now, there's a greater level of being able to establish godly friendships in a Christian school. But I will say this, that kids have problems the same thing that's happening in public schools, kids are dealing with in Christian schools, right? And so I wanna encourage you today, don't, don't relegate it to, well, their environment. You still have to pray for them. He says, that, he says, you must pray for God to bring them godly friends and influences. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So we must pray for this generation. Listen to me, what if you start to pray for this generation, and maybe your parents in the room, and you have kids, and maybe you have students, and, and you start praying for this generation, and God starts to tell you to fill up your van with kids that don't know Jesus and bring them to student life on Sunday nights. Well, now I'm supposed to just take my kid there and drop him off. No, it's bigger than that. Their friends need a safe haven. What if God starts to speak to you and say, hey, you know what, have all their friends that don't know Jesus over to our house and we'll start a Matthew a club and they can come over and we'll have chips and, come on, chips. Pizza, it's the food of all youth ministries. <laughs> but they, you start saying, hey, what if, what if we just invited four or five of their friends over to the house and we provided the party and we allowed them to come over and we just loved on these kids that need, that need an encounter. Listen, when you start to pray, God's gonna move upon your heart to do something in this next generation. Number two is this, we gotta prioritize church. I'm gonna say it like that, we need to prioritize church. Now listen, during COVID in 2020, we pivoted. During COVID, we had to pivot. But listen to me, you were, that was only for a season. That was only for a season. We all need, listen, that was not included to be a long-term result and plan. Meaning we weren't supposed to just be online forever. Thank God for those of you that are watching online. But listen to me, we, we need a hug in the hallway. Come on, somebody. Come on, we need a handshake. We need to see a smile. Come on, we need, to, we need some coffee together. Why? Because that's what God has created us to do. And so if you're still stuck a couple years out and you're still struggling, listen to me. I'm going to say it like this. I'm calling all the bathrobe Christians back to church. Amen. If you're, listen, God, God has a great plan, and it's connected to others. We have to prioritize church consistency. And see, you're modeling before your kids consistency. We, we, need, we, need, we, need, we need to see each other. We need, we need a hug. We, we, need, we need strength. We need relationships. And listen, if you can't be here on Sunday because maybe your boy or your daughter plays a sport, there's no condemnation from this pastor. When you go play that sport, make sure you're a light to all the heathens that are sitting on the sideline. Come on, somebody. But I did it for years. So there's no condemnation there whatsoever. 
I think it's great that kids are on teams. I think it's great that kids are playing ball together. I think it's great that parents have an opportunity to witness to people that don't know Jesus on a Sunday. Do you realize that 80% of people, listen, it was, uh, what was the stat? Come on, bring it back. A lot of people (laughs) don't attend church because of sports in America. Well, why are we fighting the system? Why don't we just raise up the people that go from our churches? Like we have people that go to church, that play ball on Sundays. Well, by God, if you're going to go play ball, go cheer on your friends and be a light to somebody that's sitting right next door to you. Come on, somebody. That's what, that's what the church is about. That's prioritizing being the church, not just going to church. And so God, God wants us to prioritize being the church wherever we're at. And going to church and being a part and being consistent. Luke 4, 16 said Jesus went to church. Jesus went to church. It says he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up in the Sabbath day. He went into the church or the synagogue as was his custom. He did it all the time. He prioritized it. Now listen, if the Son of God needs some synagogue time, come on. We all need some church time. It says in Hebrews 10, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we must spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing, he says, don't give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing it, but encouraging one another. Face-to-face encouragement, and, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need to pray for this generation. We need to prioritize church. We need to get our kids involved. We need to get them in kids' life. We need to get them in student life. Um, and so I want to encourage you today that we must prioritize. And then third, here's, how, here's, the, here's the final way that we're going to hop in and get involved with this next generation is we have to participate in the development of the next generation. What does that mean? 2 Timothy 3.14 says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. In other words, here's a few ways on how we're gonna develop the next generation. Number one is you need to be an example to them. Look at your neighbor and say, be an example. Be an example. I know this ain't a message where you're going to hop up and run around the church and glory to God and hallelujah and amen. And I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in activity. I'm, in, I'm interested in people that will not just shout it but actually pray it. I'm not interested in just the emotional hype of church on a Sunday. I'm interested in people that are going to be consistent to push into the next generation. To push in, to, to, to pray and to, to prioritize and then finally participate. How do we do that? We be an example to them. They need your consistency. If you're a dad or a parent today and you have kids in your house, listen to me today, be an example. Be an example to them of what it means to pray, what it means to love, what it means to walk in compassion, what it means to, what it means to uh, put Jesus first in all things. Be an example to them. And listen, when their friends come over, hey man, just let them come over and hang out at your house. We had kids at our house when our kids were growing up. They came to our house all the time. I think Braden, one of his uh, basketball teams came over. I swear to God, we made like 10 racks of ribs. Amen. I was involved. You start making racks of ribs, I'm there. 
but they just come over. And we didn't shove Jesus, but we did live it. I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. But we wanted to create an environment in our home where our kids felt like their friends could come by, sit on the couch, have a conversation. And to this day, some of their friends that are in college or out of college still come sitting on couch. I just recently had a young man come and sit on my couch in tears because he, he, he was lost, needed Jesus. Started reading his Bible again, found Jesus again, sitting on my tears, just stain my couch, come on. Why? Is because we want to be an example to them. We want to be an example to them. Number two is this, be available for them. Be available for them. If there's anything this generation is looking for, it's relationship. Be available to them. Psalm 90, 12 says this, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. Be available for them. And then number three of how you participate is be positive about them. Be positive about them. Listen to me. They know what they do is wrong. You don't have to tell them that. You don't have to berate them when they do something wrong. Please don't hold it over their head. Please don't put it in the back of your mind and say you're going to use it as ammunition later. No, they know what they've done wrong. They don't need to be told what they've done wrong. I like to say it like this, and I heard it put this way. Start telling them who they are, not what they've done. Or say it like this, that this is what you've done, but that is not who you are. This is what you've done, but this is not who you are. In other words, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to have problems. They're going to have situations. They're going to have issues that happen in their life. It's up to us to be positive about them. Yeah, there's stuff going on in the next generation. Let's be the church that will be positive about reaching into the next generation to participate in reaching them and praying for them and investing in them and loving them and creating facilities for them and start ministries for them. Let's be that church that does that. Thank you for the five claps. See, because if we, if we listen, if we stop with the generation in front of them, this is why Christianity is falling off in America. The reason Christianity has fallen off in America is because we haven't learned how to get it generationally. It's a mindset, it is not a church program, it is a mindset. It is, I am not just raising kids, I'm raising the next leaders and world changers and those that will go in and affect culture and then I want their friends that I want to reach them as well and I want to influence them as well. Hear, hear me today, folks, is that it's, it's, if we're going to break the cycle, we got to start reaching into that Josiah generation. And I'm praying that that Nehemiah spirit would come upon our church, that they would see that we fight for them. Some of you got super judgmental in your spirit when you've seen the word, I vape. That's not all they're doing. That's not all they're participating in. And you say, well, how dare them? How dare them participate in things like that? Oh my God, what if they do this? And what if, what if they do that? Hear me for a minute. Slow down there, partner. Think about your life. Uh-oh. What were you like when you were 14 or 15 or 16 years old and you didn't have the technology level that they have? 
there's whole predators, there's whole concept, there's whole, there's whole uh, 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 agendas, social media that's coming after our kids. We gotta fight for them. Hear me when I say this. This is your pastor talking, I'm your shepherd today. Hear me when I'm saying that. Don't let the screen raise your kid. You raise your kid. You be an example to your kid. You love your kid. You show them compassion. You put safeguards where you need to. You tell them to shut it off. I'm learning. I'm learning. Because it's easy to say, here, play the game. Pastor, that's kind of strong this morning. It's very strong because the reason is, is because this is creating a generation of isolation and we keep doing it and we keep isolating them. And as they get older and older, isolation can turn into things that can happen mentally. And before long, they have these mental problems that take place and they go out and they do the dumbest things they could do in this world. Be positive about them. Start telling them who they are, not what they've done. Romans 4, 17 says this, Abraham is our father in the sight of God in whom we have believed, the God who gives life to dead things and calls things that are not as though they were. What if we were positive? What if it wasn't just reading the report and the stats and the things that we see about the, the next generation? Some of you are like, I'm, I'm just now hearing about this. I'm kind of disconnected from everything. Listen, whether you realize this or not, a young person, as they grow older, will eventually affect your life. You don't realize that right now. But eventually, they will, they will affect your life as they grow older. See, but he says this. He says, call things that are not as though they were. Speak positive about them. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. Remember, the rebellion that you're seeing is not rebellion, it's fear. They're hiding behind it. I wish my parents knew that this rebellion is about fear. I, I wish my parents would create an environment where I could tell them what's going on, where I don't feel like I'm gonna ruin it. Listen, we need to participate in the development of the younger generation. Now listen, I'm gonna call all of us to this. And you can, you can decide what you wanna do. You can partay, partay. <laughs> that's kind of pray and participate all in the same word, partay. <laughs> you can pray, you can participate, you can invest. See, because these three words, participate, pray, and prioritize, are three words that's gonna help us move into the next generation. And so there's three actions, three call to actions we got that we wanna, we wanna encourage you with. Well, Pastor, I need to pray about these different things. No, you don't. If there's any place that you're not serving, if you're not serving in student life kids and we're getting ready to develop a new young adult ministry, listen to me for just a minute. If you're not serving in one of those areas, you don't need to pray about it. Now, if you don't like children, then you need to pray about your heart. I don't even like the four I got. Well, hold on there. Hold on a second. Pray about that. Amen. But here's the point today, is this is a part of the call to action. So if you want to be a part of, of serving in kids' life, it, it, and this is, not a, this is not for me to generate more volunteers into our students and our kids and, and developing a young adult. That's not why I'm doing this. I'm not doing this. I'm giving you an opportunity to participate. 
I'm giving you an opportunity to step in to helping reach the next generation. You may not have to teach a Bible school, uh, Bible study at the kids' life area, but by God, you can cut some papers. You're like, how does that really make a difference? It makes a ton of difference when you're preparing an environment for kids to come into. Some of you in the kids' area just need to join the setup and teardown team. You're like, well, that's just moving walls. No, it's preparing an environment for the next generation to hear the good news of who Jesus is. Some of you in this room, you know, we got a facility we're going to be building. Some of you, hey, man, just write the check for the kids' wing. Maybe you're watching online and you're like, hey, I just want to write the check for the kids' wing. You want my email address? You want my phone number? I'll give you my P.O. box. Here's the point. It's not about money. It's about investing and going into the next generation to create a life that's significant so it passes on from generation to generation. I'm driving by church doors today that have for sale on them all over our region. Why is that? It's because somewhere along the line, they were okay with reaching one generation. I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay by reading these numbers. I'm not okay to reach one generation. We need to reach three and four and deep into this generation in order to do what we can according to God's heart to pull our young people into the place of leadership, into the place of discipleship, into the place of having a voice. If you walk around our church and look at how many young people are serving, we got uh, young people serving back here in the kids' life area today uh, and, and they're back there investing in your kids. Amen. Come on somebody, that's a big deal. If you look around and see, when we started the church, our soundboard person, our soundboard, whatever we call them, soundboard man, it was a girl, so I can't call her that. Amen. I know the difference. But listen, she, she was, uh, what, 14? Gabby was 14 years old when she ran our board when we started. She was so nervous. She was like, Pastor, you, I'm like, go for it. If you, if you got an idea, go. Try it. Figure it out. We'll turn the knobs and see what happens. I want our kids involved. I want them to participate. I want to hear what they say. Come on, somebody. You're like, well, you know, are we going to start playing music that I don't know? Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's good. We're not building it for you. You okay with that? Because if not, we're going to have a generation split hell wide open if we don't get involved. And I'm more concerned about their destiny than whether or not you like the Kumbaya song that we put on the screen. I believe you're in. I I believe as a church you're in. And I want to encourage you. If you didn't get your phone out, I didn't see a lot of phone. Get your phone out. If you're going to be a part of this, I want you to sign up. And and, and you're like, well, what's this look like for young adults? If you just have an interest and you're like, hey, what's it going to look like? Snap the photo. You can fill out the little card there and just click which area you want to be involved in. Or just have some sort of involvement. Participate in it. There's the code. If I'm on this side, I'll move out the way if you want to get your screen out. But there's the code. Get your phone out and go ahead and fill that out. And we're going to contact you. What? Move the podium. See, look at the young people. They're so bossy. So I'll just stand over here. So snap that picture. If you ain't done it yet, then you need to figure it out. There. So sign up for one of those areas. And we want, we want, we'll show you there's different levels of how you can be involved with each area. So we're going to pray, and we're going to trust God. And I'm going to pray that the spirit of Nehemiah would come upon our church.
that when we see young people walking through the doors on a Sunday morning, we're excited about it. We're saying hello, we're encouraging them. We're saying, man, have a great week, you can do it. Because listen to me, you go work nine to five and you enjoy your job. They're going out into a world that is filled with a mess, trying, they don't know how to navigate it. And if anything, I'll be an advocate for the next generation. I'll be, I'll be an advocate that says, listen, we're gonna be a church that's gonna create an environment where young people wanna be a part of it. Where's Connor Abrams at? Come up here. I need a microphone. He don't even know this is happening. I don't even know. Nobody even has microphones ready. Here we go. Bring it on. Sorry. Thank you, sir. So we're going to pray that the spirit of Nehemiah would come upon our church. And I'm going to ask Connor to pray. This young man just graduated high school. What are you doing, man? You went to youth camp, bounced around, didn't you? Yeah, amen. Let's pray about Nehemiah then, all right? That's it. Okay. You're you're kind of real. Oh, you did? You prayed over me before this. Yeah, um, because I felt like there was some sort of burden a little bit over my hmm. that needed to be lifted so that you could preach to your people still. Did you guys hear that? He said that he prayed for me that whatever the burden was on my mind would be lifted so I could preach today. How old are you? 18. He's 18 years old. Some of you, that don't even cross your mind. You're just trying to get your coffee and your breath mints and have a seat. There's a sensitivity to the spirit in this next generation. And I'm trusting the Lord. We're not gonna raise up, look, look, look. We're gonna move into a direction where we're not just raising up kids that enjoy a game and have a good pizza. We're gonna raise up disciples of the Lord that know the Bible and know how to pray and are filled with God's spirit. Bottom line. And so we're going to have Connor pray, and we're going to pray over this verse in Nehemiah. We'll pray together. You pray first, and I'll pray second. And so Nehemiah 4.14 says, fight for your family. So I want you to pray for your generation. You're in the middle of it, and you see it, and you're a part of it. So I want Connor to pray, and we're going to pray together that the spirit of Nehemiah would come upon our church. Can I get the full band? Thank you. And we're going to pray for just a minute. You guys go with this? Good. And we're going to do our part, and we're going to pray. We're going to ask the Lord to, to bring about on our church the spirit of Nehemiah. If, if you're, a, if you're a, 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 a father or a mother in the room and you have kids in your house, start praying, pr- pray that the spirit of Nehemiah would come upon you as a mom and dad. What is the spirit of Nehemiah? He was fighting to rebuild the walls. He was fighting to come into a broken generation and rebuild the walls. The things that had been torn down, he began to pray and ask God. And he put, he put a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. In other words, he went to work in the natural and he went to work in the spirit. And I believe that's what's gonna have to happen in order to reach, reach in and push into this next generation of what God wants to do with our kids, our students, and our young adults. And so, Connor, I want you to pray, man, whatever the Lord leads you to pray, but I want, to, I want you to pray over that Nehemiah, just fight for, fight for your generation. Come on, let's agree with Connor this morning. Lord, let there be a... All right, go ahead, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Lord, let there be a revival in our young people. Let there be a fighting spirit that cannot be broken 
that cannot be held down by any stronghold yes, that is held into their minds. We all deal with what we feel as the depression, the anxiety. Let there be a revival to be a breaking, a siege upon our minds that we fully break down and come to you, Lord. For we, we need you. This generation needs you more than anything today, Lord, because we are broken and we, we need to fight for you because there is nothing that your greatness can't heal. There is nothing that can't come, come from you. Come on. And you will come on. heal this generation and the come generations on. to come through prayer, through whatever you need. And let there be a light at the end of the tunnel that as we were living in our darkness that we run and our light becomes greater and greater and we are finally in the greatness of your world and what you and what you want for us let us be like David and let us have whatever conquering mentality that we can to be vulnerable with you to come to you and let there be breakthrough let there be hope through all of us to come down to the next generation and let there be a mending process that we used to be rusty and broken and corroded, but through your fires we will be purified and made into a shining blade that is your hope and your glory and what we need for you. Let us be your army and let us be towards you and fight to have you seen and known. And in your (laughs) all great name, we pray, amen. Father, we pray together as a church, God, we thank you for those prayers. We thank you today for Nehemiah 4. We pray over this next generation, and we pray for our church today, Lord. We pray, God, that that spirit of Nehemiah would come upon our church, that, Lord God, when we see the broken walls down and we look down into the next generation, that we would be people that would pray, that we would participate, that, God, we would step into, we would lean into reaching the next generation. And so, Father, I pray for strategies. I pray for leadership. I pray for ideas. I pray for Uh, 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 people that would serve. I pray today in the name of Jesus that as we start to pray that you'll start to move heaven and earth in southwest Ohio that Lord God where there is a void of reaching young people, where there is a void of reaching those that are far from you between the ages of 7 and 27 I pray today Lord that you would raise up real life church to be a beacon like Nehemiah was, that we would have a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other and I pray today in the name of Jesus Father God that you by your Holy Spirit would raise up real life church 
to be a beacon, to be a light, to be an encouragement, to be those, God, that cry out for the next generation, that say, Lord, send revival and send awakening, God. May, may, may there be a liquid love movement that would happen uh, into the young people and into this next generation. I pray, God, that by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, that every religious spirit that would come against the spirit of Nehemiah today, the Sanballat spirit that would come against the next generation, we break its power today in the name of Jesus, and we say, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do and move through your church again afresh because you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we decree and declare today for saving of thousands of young people in Southwest Ohio. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap today. You got anything else? You sure? All right. Go ahead. I'm calling our church to allow this, the Holy Spirit to rest upon us to reach the next generation. How many are in? Just raise your hand. You say, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Good. Praise God. Praise God. And uh, I believe that God's going to use us and, and, and strategize and, and just really begin to help us. You know, I, when I was uh, with Master's Commission, I used to speak in public schools and um, spoke to over 400,000 kids in public schools and seen almost 3,000 salvations in that experience. There is a, God, listen, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, but I do know this, that whatever's holding back the tide in your heart, I pray today that the Holy Spirit would open your heart wide to do what God wants you to do. Amen, everybody. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.